was on the radio once with a friend of mine, and we were talking about language revitalization, specifically Lakota language. He said to me, Arlo, let's pretend you're on a game show and you've been thrown on an island in the middle of the sea with 10 other people from 10 different countries all over the world. And you're going to be stuck on this island with food, water, and entertainment. Everything you need to survive. Here's the kicker. You're going to be blindfolded. And the first one to prove to all the other participants who you are and where you're from wins a million dollars. It was a fun conversation because it began to bring out ideas on how you prove to another person who you are and where you're from. And we joked about it and made a small conversation. But then I really began to think, how do I prove to another person who's blind who I am and where I'm from when all they have is their ears, touch, smell, how do I prove to that person that I'm Oglala Lakota? Do I talk to them about the ceremonies I participate in? Do I make them touch my hair? How do I prove to this person who I am whenever I'm speaking the English language? It's a really tough sell. I don't know if I would win this, this, this game because I speak English and English is the predominant language for Americans. How do I prove to other people from all over the country that I am an indigenous person whose people were here first? It's an interesting concept. Empowering Lakota youth and families. Empowering Lakota youth and, and families to improve the health, culture, and environment of our communities. To improve the health, culture, and environment of our communities. To improve the health, culture, and environment of our communities. Through the healing and strengthening. Through the healing and strengthening. Through the healing and strengthening of cultural identity. Of cultural identity. Of cultural identity. Of cultural identity. This is our mission statement. That was Antone. He is a student at the Iapi Glukinipi Owaiwa Tkanka. He was introducing himself and talking about his school. Now it gives me great pleasure to introduce Dallas Nelson. He's the Lakota Language Initiative Director. He's going to talk about the projects involved with this initiative. Our Lakota Language Initiative is tasked with revitalizing our Lakota language and culture on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Um, we have a multitude of different programs to to address this um, goal, this task, um, our philosophy is uh, molded our, in, our, in our belief system of the Chungleshka, the medicine will. We, we believe in not just revitalizing the language within the school systems that are in place, but within the entire community. Hence our belief in using the Chungleshka model um, this is addressing each a different age group from the Hokshichala, the baby, the Wakayaja, the, um, the zero to about 12 year old, and then the Techaki, the Wikoshkalaka, uh, Nakoshkalaka, that age group, and then the Hunkakepi, the adults, the parents, Wiyan, Wichasha, that age group, and then the, the um, elder group, the Winuchala, 
Nam, uh, we Chachchala, the the elders. Um, so our programming we offer within our initiative, um, we strategically work within each each age group from our elders all the way through our parents, through our teenagers and and our children. Um, we have programs aligned directly to each age group, and they all. Uh, at certain times, work in unison uh, together. Um, so it's a it's our it's our approach to to revitalizing our language and culture, um, and it's 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 our attempt to create um, fluent speakers, uh, whether they're within our own uh, language nest, elementary class, our 2 out program, or in our own communities. Um, we understand how deeply important this work is um so it, it, it's not it's not just revitalizing our language it's uh, it's more so as we move forward and deeper down the road um we realize that it, it's literally revitalizing and reigniting a sense of identity and pride within within our own um relatives um uh, we we believe in we believe in that our our culture is <clears throat> is is our language. They're one and the same. So as we move through, no matter what program we're doing, we we make a concerted effort to incorporate or come from a place um, that is Lakota. Uh, we we use our Lakota perspective and thought in in everything we do. <laughs> Okay, now, we are we are January. Dallas. You're a second language learner. At what point did did it hit you that you want to preserve the Lakota language, not just for the purpose of preserving it, but like the actual conscious decision that you made within yourself to say that I'm going to be dedicating my life to this effort. Growing growing up on the reservation, every Lakota kid is told from when they're very young to all the way till they graduate high school and beyond that how important our language is uh, our part our, how important our language and culture is um, the school systems try their best to incorporate it um, the language uh, programs within our current school systems are trying with what they have to 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 address the issue of our language loss for me i've been um, i'm a product of red cloud Indian school. I went through the Montessori all the way through 12th grade. Um, so uh, during that time, it was always put on my radar, like, you got to learn Lakota, not just by the school, but my parents, or my uh, different relatives. So it's always been ingrained in me, like, okay, well, Lakota is something that we, we have to learn. We don't know it. You, you're going to have to take that step, whether it's a word a day or visiting with an elder or etc. Um, when I finally made that conscious decision to like fully go all in is when um, I start having children and I start re uh, my my um, first child was born nine years ago. Um, I didn't literally go all in simply because I was never um, um, never really fully fully accepting what the, the reality of our language never fully accepted that our language was uh, in a position where if we don't do something about it, 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 it we're not going to have the fluent speakers in the future. So um, that when my daughter was first born and then when I start having more kids all the way up to four children, um, now my youngest is uh, three years old uh, and he's in the language nest and I'm seeing the impact that, that him learning Lakota him understanding and speaking and uh, making it a part of his life is um, super rewarding, but super valuable for not just his own future, but um, uh, 
his own future, but all of us that are part of his life right now. Um, and I see that with every kid that's a part of the immersion, our program, our language nest. Um, I see that the value in our language is, is so uh, um, powerful, but also it, to me, it's, I, I truly and wholeheartedly believe that our language and our culture, the more we invest in teaching our youth the language and culture, um, the more, uh, the bigger of a chance we give ourselves to create systemic change in the long run. Um, our communities are faced, like everyone knows, with all these um, uh, societal ills, suicide, alcoholism, poverty, oppression, all these different things that are plaguing our communities. Um, and everyone always wants to um, ask themselves, uh, how do we fix that? How, especially during um, campaign season, that's the question people are usually asked when they're running for office. How do you, how do you fix the problems on our reservation? Um, in my belief, just being a resident here within the Pioneer Reservation and growing up here my whole life, um, one of the things that I've learned is that how we fix our problems that are in our communities now is that we um, uh, genuinely, genuinely invest in our children uh, using our language and culture, giving them the best early childhood education, elementary education, using our language, using our culture as the foundation of, of, of how we teach them. Um, I believe that in doing that, we're equipping these young children with, with tools that um, were taking away from us a long time ago, that the, the language uh, um, and the different things within our culture, our spirituality that were part of us a long time ago before, before all the policy, the different policy eras, the, um, the different things that happened, the boarding school era, all the different things that happened to our people to get us to where we're at. We, we were stripped of those during that time. And um, at no fault of our own, we're in the situation we're at now, um, but we're, we're, also, um, we're also in a time where we're, we're fortunate enough to have this opportunity to just say, how do we, how do we uh, turn the tide? How do we turn the tide to make it where in another hundred years from now, um, our, our children are, are going to be able to go to a school, uh, a pre-K all the way to doctorate level school, that's all in Lakota. That's all in our own belief system. Um, and that's the idea to, to, to empower not just our own communities here that we're working in now, but to set the standard in Lakota country that it is possible to, to do what the Hawaiians did. Um, and create create a school system, a life way that's founded on our, our own belief system and our own language. So I kind of I know I kind of went off topic, but <laughs> um. well, what do you do for somebody who is learning Lakota? They they're, they're a second language learner. What's the first thing you tell them, or what's the steps that you encourage so that they can ensue that? the revitalization of language in their own and themselves and so that they'll be successful. Our program, our Lakota Language Initiative, uh, recognizes that uh, on, on our communities there's, there's not a lot of people that are second language learners. Um, but we, we have it set up to where, um, say we're hiring another uh, provider to work with in our our child care, our language nest, and they come off, come up, and they have no language experience at all. They don't know nothing about the language. The way we've developed it within our program is to um, uh, assist them through start one, starting that language journey, sitting down with them, and sitting down with them, and visiting with them, and saying, "This is our expectation. This is what you're signing up for. You're going to be in a, 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 a an environment where the medium's Lakotia, um, meaning you're going to." have to speak Lakota and that's what we're expecting from you um, and here's are the here, here are the tools we're going to give you uh, we recently started a four years to fluency class um, the idea behind that is uh, within four years we'll get those individuals that have little to no um, Lakota uh, uh, language proficiency skills um, to fluency uh, meaning they'll be able to survive in a, an environment where it's all Lakota or where, where there's fluent speakers and that's all they speak is Lakota. So 
Um, that's one option we use um, for or one one tool we we give to our staff that have no language, but also we um, we address the, we we're open about it. I mean, learning Lakota is is for in for individuals like myself. I'm 30 years old. Um, w there's a lot of healing involved, a lot of healing and a lot of um, uh, emotions that you have to address when you move move along that healing that, that Lakota language journey. Uh, one of those is shame. Um, I'm 30 years old and I'm still learning the language. I'm Lakota and uh, uh, throughout my life I was never. Um, I, and I know this goes. I know for our reservation and I'm sure for other reservations, it's there's a lot of um, uh, how can I say uh, emotions within the language that affect every generation. Our elders had to go through the boarding school era and at certain times they were um, afraid to pass the language on. So they had to live with that. I don't want my children to learn the language because I don't want them to suffer when I had to go through. Um, and then our parents going, going through that era of not being able to learn a language but understand it and some of them learning it, um, not, then they're not passing it on to the next generation, um, my generation. and. Uh, you're you're stuck with uh, um, not necessarily anger, but like uh, you're stuck with this. I'm Lakota and I don't know my own language feeling, um, and that sits there right in your stomach. And especially when you start to learn more and, and you want to speak and you want to interact in Lakota, um, there there has to be a, a um, for every individual it's different, but there has to be some way to address that that shame to bring it out and. Um, say it's okay to speak Lakota, it's okay to be Lakota, it's okay to uh, learn, teach, and uh, um, it's okay to have Lakota part of our, our lives. Um, if you don't, I think it, it, you make it a little bit harder on yourself when it doesn't need to be. Um, so that's something we address with our staff, that new staff that come on. I mean, this this learning Lakota is just not like picking up a book and I'm going to learn Lakota. Yes, it's fun, exciting. Yeah, that's part of it. But the other part, too, is we understand that there's a lot of trauma involved in, in Indian country. How do we address that as a program, as a, especially with an organization that's aimed at creating a systemic change in our communities? How do we um, help the individual get through that? Um, and we're fortunate enough to have uh, the blueprint laid out in front of us through the medicine while the Changleshka, the, our grandmas and grandpas um, uh, perfected a life with. Um, and they've literally said, here you guys go, here's how to deal with the things in your life right now using this Changleshka, these ceremonies, the traditions, uh, these different protocols on how to get through different things in your life. Um, so as we uh, move forward within within our program, we, we do our best to provide those type of services for our staff, whether it's a sweat lodge. I mean, maybe someone wants to just steam off because um, it gets intense. Um, I've been to a few uh, Lakota language learning um, uh, trainings, um, and there's always a point where uh, someone breaks down. Someone literally breaks down and says, I can't do this. It's too hard. Um, and uh, why why didn't they teach me? Why didn't my grandma and grandpa teach me? Why don't I know Lakota? And they break down. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 I've seen that happen uh, at these trainings and even within our own organization. Um, so I think a big part of whenever you're, whenever someone's trying to learn the language, um, accepting that they're gonna not just start a language journey, but it's also almost almost like a healing journey too mm -hmm. within yourself. Um, and our organization has. Um, developed a system on how to to help those individuals along, um, giving them the necessary tools to one learn our language, learn develop the proficiency in order to work within our childcare and elementary, but also supplement that with um, ways on dealing with that trauma, ways on dealing with that shame, that that ugly feeling that sits inside your stomach when you're when you're maybe scolded by an elder and you really didn't know what they said, but they scolded them, you felt it, or maybe there's something traumatic that happened to that individual when on there on the reservation, getting told, oh, you're Lakota. But you don't know your language, so you're not Lakota. Or you don't know how to pray in Lakota, so your your prayers are no good. Um, those are the things that um, individuals across Indian country, and especially Lakota country, have had to face, um, and are currently having to face. So how do we change change that storyline and say it's okay to learn Lakota? It's okay to um, learn it. And those 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 things that have happened are kind of like the fallout of all the, the, the policies and the, the, the different things that we've had to endure, all the negative policies and stuff that we've had dear since, since, since we've been on this reservation. Um, so um, 
that's one way we we help our staff and that's one way i advocate for um people trying to learn language um because that's one way that's helped me um recognizing that this journey is is difficult but it's also rewarding in a sense that you, you learn a lot about yourself you learn a lot about the emotions that you have boiled up and sitting inside you that you maybe held on to when you were in a language class in fifth grade and they and or whatever so um that that, that that's some thought on it Let's talk about the daycare. Let's talk about what you guys do there. Maybe talk a little bit about its origin a little bit and why the daycare is part of the initiative. Okay. Um, uh, Lakota language initiative. Uh, our child care is Owaiwa uh, Chik Ala. This is, was founded, um, I want to say 2007 by Peter Paha Hill and um, Matt Rama, two uh, individuals that set out on one learning the language and then creating a, a place where they can teach um, uh, children the language. So it was started in 2007, and then in around 2012, Thunder Valley, um, uh, I guess you can say, uh, brought them on board and made them part of the organization. Um, so since 2012, it's been a, um, a Thunder Valley operation. What that, uh, what the the childcare is, is a immersion language style nest. Meaning, it's uh, the idea behind it is to immerse, to teach through the language, uh, uh, what you would normally teach any um, any children at that age. Um, so we're, we're the medium is La Kotiapi, and we're, we're providing uh, quality early childhood education in that setting. So it's 18 months to, or three months all the way up to five years old with our language nest. Currently we have um, two. Uh, we're just recently going to be opening up a second one at Thunder Valley site. Um, so we'll have two languages, language nests on the reservation that will serve as our, um, our way of uh, introducing and teaching the language to these little kids. So, and our philosophy there is to teach through the language, not teach the, the language. We're going to teach the alphabet. We're going to teach them how to read. We're going to teach them how to write. We're going to teach them all the different things that they need to know at that age. Um, but it's going to be through our language, uh, using our alphabet, using our, uh, or the orthography we use to write the language, etc. Um, we're, we're pushing to, uh, incorporate, uh, the Montessori, uh, teaching philosophy so um, as we move forward along we're we're gonna align Montessori with our efforts on how to deliver that quality early early childhood education and Montessori um, is a teaching philosophy developed by Dr. Maria Montessori in um, I think Italy um, uh, so she developed it with uh, using a group of kids at a um, uh, children's house, she called it. Um, and these child, these kids were uh, kind of the ones that were left out of the current system during that time. She went in there and uh, taught them and helped them, and, and they flourished. They grew, and they learned um, so much within her, within her uh, way of teaching them. And her way of teaching is uh, aligns directly with our kind of our uh, philosophy with teaching kids, our Lakota philosophy. The learning is happens organically. Um, it's uh, it, it's the the teachers are seen as guides, not as teachers. They're more facilitating, are working alongside the children. Um, inside the classroom. Um, so as we learn more and we get more people qualified to to be able to um, put, uh, utilize that teaching philosophy in our um, child cares, that's the route we're going to go. So it's going to be a Montessori. They're, they're going to be Montessori's. Um, uh, that's the idea. Um, but they'll be uh, the medium will be La Cotia. Um, so those are our, our child cares. And one of the interesting things I always talk about is that. Uh, our, how how do we tie that back into our, our vision? How do we tie that back into uh, uh, our um, our belief system that within our initiative? Like I mentioned earlier, is we use that chungleshka, that um, the um, the medicine wheel to help guide us in our work. So the, these language nests are literally hitting on every part of that chungleshka. There, uh, the children involved in there 
our um, zero to five year old, they're that that first that first uh, uh, um, age group, and then the, the the second age group, we have uh, volunteers. Our uh, our youth development leadership program um, has uh, teenagers, kids in high school, those young adults come in and they'll they'll help uh, support our um, work, doing um, sitting in the classroom, helping with the garden, doing et cetera, et cetera. And then the adults, the teachers, the are all second language learners. They're all part of our classes. They all have some of them have kids inside the the, the childcare, and then we have um, Lakotia Lakotia Lakota speakers, um, and these are these traditionally have been um, uh, elder elders because that's the age group that's majority of the fluent speakers are elders. So those child cares, those language nests have every group hit on on that chungleshka so there it's 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 really fascinating to see how we have elders intertwined in that work we have these second language learners we have these children and when we have these youth youth um teenagers coming in and it's just it's 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 just working all uh in unison to provide an environment that's safe to learn lakota and that's um empowering for the individuals that never had any lakota to go into an environment where it's okay it's safe to it's safe to mess up on a word it's safe to say something in it wrong um and and not not get scolded um but get corrected in a, a more uh, gentle uh, uh way so um these child cares are amazing they're, they're they're hitting on every part of our our philosophy on, on revitalizing the language and they're providing that safe environment for individuals to go in there and learn teach and get that language they need so um, I'm a huge advocate for them. Um, I believe that they are the one of the keys. I think every community should have have a immersion um, Lakota language nest. Um, simply because of that reason, how it, it it brings from every age group, and they all work together to learn and be a part of of the language. Um, I've seen I've I've seen um, elders experience um, uh, for the very first time prayer within these language nests, um, which is, which was interesting and, um, and eye-opening. Uh, we, we take a lot of things for granted and we, we take a lot of things for granted in a way that we, um, we, we think our elders are these, um, and majority of them are not, 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 not nothing to say negative, but it's, um, we, we sometimes forget that our elders went through a lot of lot of uh traumatic things to get where they're at and just to be able to hold on to the language we forget we forget that they hold a lot of trauma too they have a lot of things that are that they carry with them and just because they're fluent speakers doesn't necessarily mean that everything's not right and dandy for them so that's something we experienced in our, our language nest is that um we've we've had an elder going there and for the very first time hear the four direction song for very first time get a pray in a setting with little kids in Lakota for the very first time. To me, that's that's um, eye-opening, but it's also really powerful that these language nests aren't just to teach Lakota to children. These language nests are to empower our communities, to bring them all together, to to push, push it in a direction where Lakota is normal again. That's our uh, uh, child cares, Owaiwa Chikala, and then we have right now is a multi-age classroom. Um, yeah, I want you to talk about the school now, Dallas. I know that that's one, another part of the initiative. Yeah, please talk about the school. So right now we, we have uh, Owaiwa Tchanka, um, and the children came up with these names. Uh, the, the kids that were part of the first cohort named these schools, so Owaiwa Chikala is small school, and then Owaiwa Tchanka is large school. So um, uh, Owaiwa Tchanka is a, um, right now a kindergarten through uh, fourth grade, um, multi-age elementary classroom. At, currently is being housed at Red Cloud Indian School, um, and it's the medium there is Lakota, Lakotiapi. And what it is is, Right now, our first, very first cohort that graduated from uh, the very first immersion that Matt and Peter started, that first cohort, is in second grade right now. 
so they're they're in second grade um and then what we do is we uh use the 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 nest as a feeder to uh to that kindergarten so they graduate the the nest they go into the um the uh, elementary school uh the kindergarten there and then it's just right now it's just set up as a multi so they're all together at w one large classroom there's 17 kids in there um and what's fascinating about this is that we're discovering how amazing these children are 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 becoming um being able to have a classroom that continues that that uh the that immersion type setting where the medium's lakotia um where they read, write, and um, uh, speak in Lakota and understand in Lakota, everything is in Lakota. So uh, w w we're starting to move, and they're in the second grade. And uh, one of the biggest things that um, any places, um, has any immersion language nest or any immersion uh, school has to face is uh, how do these children um, that are learning that uh, maybe Lakota or Cherokee or Hawaiian or whatever, how are they going to fare in a room that, that uh, say that the immersion stops and they have to go into a classroom where it's all English? And how are they going to um, do inside that classroom? Are they going to be behind? Are they going to not know how to read or write? Uh, what we're finding out right now, and it, we're still in the stages of um, learning more about it, but uh, are the teacher in their Matt Rama is learning that the children that are being taught nothing but from Lakota, from the moment they get into the language nest to the moment they get inside that, that elementary, they're taught nothing but Lakota. The alphabet's Lakota. The books they read are in Lakota. They write in Lakota. Um, but what we're finding out is that they're able to still read English. They're able to read English just as good as the, the, the classrooms that are, um, the medium is, is, is English. So these kids that are getting taught in nothing but Lakota um, are are still able to read in English, if not just as good, but even a little bit better than the ones that are getting taught nothing but English. So to me, that's a huge finding for us. And I'm sure there's probably some scientific research out there right now, I hope, <laughs> on that finding because it's simply because of the Maoris and the Hawaiians, how, they've, how far they've came along with their, uh, they pretty much revitalize their language. But... For us in Lakota country, it, it, to me, it provides us with not necessarily proof, but just a little bit more of reassurance that as we move forward, it's it's okay. It's it's actually pretty badass to have a classroom where you're able to just speak in Lakota and read and write in Lakota, but still know that those kids, if say the immersion wasn't able to go on to the next grade, they would just do just as fine as in in, in English. So um, that's exciting. That's super exciting. And I, um, I'm a huge ad advocate for the um, uh, immersion program setting because it's, um, this is proof. It's showing we're, we're, we're dredging the way in Indian country and Lakota country that it's not only okay, but it, these kids are going to learn English too. Being taught in nothing but Lakota, they're going to learn English. And um, Matt, <laughs> Matt, I was visiting with him uh, earlier and he was saying, it's unbelievable to see that these kids taught nothing but Lakota, through Lakota, everything is Lakota, but they're able to still read in English. That is impressive. That is crazy impressive. What I wonder about is like once that kid gets out of school, they go home. And I, I know that whenever I have a child come up to me, especially one of the kids that we've been that we have in the school, they come up and they speak Lakota to me. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they'll ask me something in Lakota and I stare at them and I'm like, I don't know what you said. And I feel just embarrassed about myself, but then it's kind of empowering when you have a child, it's different whenever a child is challenging you. And then I'm thinking, man, I really need to step up my game as, as a parent, as a adult. And then, uh, and then, but, the, the language initiative does has something to address that, the four years to fluency. Talk about that now, because I know that was a component developed because parents and adults and community members were like, hey, these kids are learning. What about us? Yes. So the four years to fluency class was started uh, last fall. Um, the idea behind this is to, one, address that population of of adults that need to be fluent that 
for our staff, we, 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 we want them to be affluent at a certain level in order to teach, to provide quality early, early childhood education or elementary education. So this was our way of, um, of uh, uh, addressing that issue. Um, and uh, Matt Rama developed the idea from the Hawaiians. Um, they got to a point when they first started their their revitalization movement to a point where, okay, how are we going to sustain this movement? Who's going to be our teachers? Okay, we're going to create these language nests. What happens next? Uh, who's going to come in and teach second grade, third grade, fourth grade, etc.? Um, so they got to a point where they made a huge push to create second language learners. And how they did it was... Um, similar to how we're, we're, we're trying to do it here. So the class is five days a week, one hour a day um, each day. So, And we're using the platform Zoom to make it available for uh, uh, people that aren't from here or, or can't really go to an evening class but can do it from home. Or if they can't make the time, they can just watch the video afterwards because it'll be recorded and put on the, the Zoom account. So um, we're trying to make it accessible but also we, we, we want to provide a, um, access to our, our staff, our community members, for a place for them to, to buff up their language skills. So there's two tracks. There's one is a beginner one, and then that one's taught by Matt Rama currently. And Matt is our director of um, innovation and design, but he also serves as a teacher inside the immersion um, elementary class. Um, and so but he teaches that first uh, beginner course, and that's for the ones that have no no um no language uh, skills are are very low language skills the next one is uh peter paha he's our director of um uh interpretation and design uh translation and he he teaches the second uh i guess uh, language class that's a little bit more advanced um and so far this first semester and that we're sec uh, just now started our second semester of this class it's it's been really um really rewarding to see the staff uh, empower themselves to come and uh, to do the class. A lot of the staff aren't, uh, all the staff aren't required to do it um, because it's after hours, but they all come. Um, and then, then to see the parents too, to be able to say, okay, well, I can come and be a part of this too because my kid's learning and now they have a place to go. They have an ling evening language class to go. They could take it from their house or they could come down and take it. Um, and then the community members, People are seeing it like, okay, can I come in to sit in on a class? Yeah, come for sure. So uh, the class has been really successful in that sense where the, there's been a, a lot of involvement, um, a lot of people getting uh, in, empowered to learn the language. So um, that's one of our ways to address the, the problem because we, we foresee it. I mean, ideally, in an ideal situation, you would want to create second language learners first and then open your language nest and then start from there. But uh, it didn't work that way for us. We, we opened the language nest, and now we need to create fluent speakers. So this is our uh, four years to fluency, uh, one way to do it. So we have these two classes here, but um, uh, also at our main office, uh, we have Naomi um, Last Horse teaching that class there. And that's for the, um, the staff there, but also for the community members that want to take the class there. So... It's the same thing there. She's te she's teaching. She's following the curriculum that Matt and Matt Peter are using, but she's providing it for on that side of the reservation. Um, so, and it's, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from that one just for from the staff alone. They've been excited to have their language hour because it, that one's a little bit different because it's provided during work hours. So staff are getting paid to learn the language. Um, so they just go down there and they take take the language class and it, it it's bringing it's putting language inside the workplace i've seen i've seen people uh, be um more uh, comfortable speaking it saying it asking questions about it um it's exciting to, to go there and say how do you say that word or what does this mean or how can we get this i can is naomi going to talk about this or how can she uh, elaborate a little bit more on this or um so it's been a huge success over on that end too uh laura catches i am a teacher trainer we are recording the elders as much as we can to help preserve the language, uh, give 2LL learners, second language learners, um, stories and teachings um, that we can consistently listen to and learn from. 
um, whether it's transcribing the stories, um, retelling the stories in the immersion classrooms as teachings. Um, and it's just important for our history, our culture, our people to have those traditional fluent stories. And how they felt about it? Um, I think once they understand the importance and we show them proof and examples of how we're using the stories, they're more than willing to help and participate and share their stories and um, get real creative with the things that they remember from either their childhood or their the teachings that they want to continue on for future generations. Part of our, again, I, I, I'll probably continue to mention this throughout this podcast, is our our guiding philosophy is using the Changleshka, using that model to help um, push our work further. Uh, and uh, the idea of use, hitting every age group from the little ones all the way up to the elders. Um, so we have a program tailored specifically for the elders, and that's our... Um, that's our teaching of our elders program and what it is is we respectfully um, go into the communities and sit down with elders and ask them to share their experiences life experiences their knowledge childhood memories um, funny stories uh, cool uh, cultural knowledge um, etc we've uh, Laura catches is that Laura catches and Naomi Lastros are the ones that are at, kind of at the forefront of leading that way and going into the community um, so the idea behind it is to to preserve as much authentic and original Lakota speakers as possible um, we realize that, uh, that I, I'm not too certain on the stats but I know the average speaker maybe 10 years ago was 60 65 um, so uh, we understand deeply and, and with urgency understand that we need to be out there recording those speakers that are older and um, because they contain a language that was um, that's their first language but that the authenticity authenticity that they have within their language is that I don't know if that's uh, um, is once they go, it's 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 gonna be gone. There's we're not creating any fluent speakers at the moment to replace the ones that are gone. So we're gonna lose that original, authentic Lakota thought, way of thinking, and the way of saying different things. So we're we're out there and we're we're trying our best to um, record as much elders as we can, and we do it in a manner where um, we don't just go there and. Uh, stick a mic in front of them we, we we do our best to one get to know the elder first if we don't know him if he's not one of our relatives and we respectfully follow all the protocols uh, when you go into a Lakota elder's home and uh, ask of anything um, so we follow all the protocols and we we do in a way where we ensure that we're not the, the elders aware that he or she is um there the, the information they give us isn't going to just be broadcast uh, given away openly we have different uh, um uh, ways of ensuring that the elders stuff is just for the family like okay i want to record this but i want it just to be for my family uh, i want it to be for my tacos just so when they get old they can hear hear where they come from in in lakota are they going to make it available for our organization so we can use it within our second language learner program or we can uh put it on a um a, uh, make it accessible within within our organization so we can transcribe it, translate it, and make it part of all of our efforts to learn the language. Um, uh, so, and, and then the other part to that too is making it widely available for anyone to access. So there's just different ways we approach that. We don't, we understand deeply that we want to make these elders feel, feel comfortable in giving, giving us that information. Um, but we also value, value it so much um, because it, it, as we get older and we, we start creating this database, as our kids start getting older and we create this large database of fluent speakers just talking about anything and everything, these kids are, these ones that are in this immersion program, say they're 12th grade and they want to do a research project on um, Lakota Wiwangwachipi, uh, our uh, ceremony, our, uh, um, uh, the different era. They can pull from this, this bank, this database and, and learn 
through Lakota about a certain topic that they can use within their school. So it's creating this 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 database, and we've been uh, we're looking to partner with um, the OLC archives, Tawadushno's uh, department, um, and Standing Rock, their, their their language department up there, um, Sunshine Carlo and Elliot Bannister, and the, we're excited to do work with them, and then the CDC too, um, because they've developed different uh, tools and uh, platforms to make ma help make that accessible for 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 the people that want to learn learn lakota so it's a it's a really cool program it's exciting it's 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 it, it's powerful um in a sense that um a lot of these elders uh, are uh, uh they want to tell their story they 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 want to leave something behind for their grandkids so their grandkids can know about their family history or just know about their grandma or grandpa um, and and I think that that's powerful in a sense that um, to be able to have a, someone to come in and do that for them, um, uh, and then share it with their family, is 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 uh, really intimate, really intimate, and and really uh, really powerful. That the kids when they grow up they'll be able to have have something to learn about what their grandma and grandpa did. Who was grandma? Who was grandpa? What did they do with their life? Or where do I come from? Uh, who are my grandparents? Where do they come from, et cetera, et cetera. So, and that's part of being uh, learn the language journey too. You 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 start uh, learning more about yourself. You start realizing that uh, you're who your grandmas and grandpas were. And I I've seen that happen within the class. People take pride in that. They're like, okay, my grandpa. This is my recording of my grandpa. I'm gonna listen to it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna dissect it. I'm gonna transcribe it and I'm gonna try to translate it. And so it gets exciting. So that's that's the gist of it. Any closing words? Um, yes, closing words. Uh, our Lakota language initiative, Iapi Glukinipi, uh, we, we uh, truly and, uh, believe that our, our Lakota language and culture um, should be at the table of every discussion when it comes to education um, and when it comes to, to that question, how do we fix things? I firmly believe that if we invest in our youth uh, using our language and culture that we can create a create systemic change uh, that, that we all yearn for and want. Um, uh, I, I'm seeing it happen right now with these kids learning Lakota and speaking and understanding. I'm seeing that change happen literally before my eyes. So I'm a firm believer that I think every community on this reservation and every Lakota reservation should invest in um, whether it be a language nest or a two-allow program, second language learner program, or preservation of the language program, whatever, I believe that they should um, should make that step forward, and and because it, it, in the long run they're going to benefit their entire community. Um, some of the other work we've been doing is there's no material out there in Lakota, so uh, uh, Peter Paha, Laura Catches, and the rest of our team have been for the past. Dona years just creating nonstop um, books, apps, uh, curriculum, um, and everything you can imagine that kids use inside of a classroom, but putting it in Lakota um, and, and using our cult and coming from that, using our cultural lens. So um, we hope to launch here in the, in the summertime our website, which will um, contain all that information and it'll be uh, open source. So meaning we, we're freely going to give everything away to anyone, whether they're a second language learner or they work in an immersion nest or they just want to learn Lakota, they can hop onto our website and just get whatever they want or need to help them on their journey. So that's something cool in the works. And other stuff that we're doing, I mean, the media development, the videos that we've created on our YouTube channel, channel Wayawa Chikala, is, um, that's a constant. Um, so we're churning out uh, about three to four videos a, a month. Um, we're looking to uh, launch a CD. So keep keep your uh, uh, iTunes, whatever, uh, keep an eye on your iTunes because it's going to be available iTunes. It's going to be a language CD that's going to be from Thunder Valley. Um, so that one's going to be happening probably during the summertime too. Um, we have a lot of cool things happening within our, organ within our um, uh, organization as a whole, but within the initiative too. Um, we have a lot of interesting, cool things. So, and I'm always open to um, sharing resources, 
sharing uh, things that we've, uh, Peter and Matt and the rest of the team have learned over the years. We're very um, uh, honored to, to share whatever we have. Um, we're open about sharing anything, whether it's just how do you deal with um, uh, creating immersion? What's, what's the process in that? Well, how do you deal in uh, creating curriculum? What's the process in that? So uh, everyone on the, on the team is really open on sharing everything. So um, that's something and uh, we, I, like, I want to share with everybody that listens to this. If you need help with learning Lakota or anything, contact the initiative. We could direct you in the, the, the right place and we can help you the best we can. Um, but Lakota Yawog Lakapo. Miglishna. To all the relatives and staff working on revitalizing the Lakota language, thank you all very much. Coming up next time on the Thunder Valley Podcast. I believe that workforce development is important on this reservation because we're giving people, you know, who who don't have necessary job experience, who need some type of, you know, stepping stone for them to step into a real life job, either that be on the reservation or off the reservation. Not only that, is we're also helping them get back on track of their educational goals and ensuring that we're doing our work properly to make sure that they obtain either some type of GED or they get enrolled back into college classes as well as providing them with the proper documentation, such as IDs, tribal IDs, driver's licenses. Join us next time on the Thunder Valley CDC Podcast.